This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today's podcast is sponsored by RxBar. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash baldmove and enter promo code baldmove at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to another Bald Move Television, the podcast where we, to the best of my knowledge, consider all of television. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything we haven't considered yet, except for what we're about to talk about today. It's And I'll say it's the officially official podcast for all of television. Yes, television I, called, I, they said, you guys are it. They did, they did. We said, no, wait a second, do you mean like cable, do you mean terrestrial broadcast? And they're like, no, television has called. <laughs> I couldn't refuse the call. Television, television. was played by Jillian Anderson, <laughs> and she called, and she was dressed up as David Bowie, and she said, uh, we're, we, 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 got the, we got the official nod. So that's what we're doing today, this small segment of television we're going to be covering today as part of our larger all-television mandate is uh, the 2017 la- uh, late release of Black Mirror, just, just squeaked yeah. under the wire. The 29th, I think, Yeah, they put that out, which makes it ineligible for Baldies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, because we just didn't have time to watch it, and now we're getting around to it. But I do love watching Black Mirror ever since I've discovered it, and mm-hmm. I do love talking about Black Mirror because it's a show that begs you to say, "What do I think about this show?" It's essentially uh, a caution. It, it's it's just an endlessly cautionary tale about the effects of technology on culture. Uh huh. Um. And we had a rollicking commission podcast about uh, the first season, I think. Yeah. Maybe one of these days we'll get around to season two and three. But I still haven't four. seen season three yet. I've For seen some a lot I of skipped it. it. I've seen a lot of it because when we watched the first season, like I'm like, holy shit, if I'd known this show is like this. Yeah. You know, I would have been watching it the whole time, and I, like I consumed a, a lot technolo- of it. technological Twilight Zone, essentially. E- essentially, yeah. 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 So now I will say to open up our what so. What did you think of this season as a whole of Black Mirror? Or is that even a useful thing to say about six completely unrelated shows that happen to be about the social implications of technology and culture? No, I mean, certainly, like, if if I were somebody who were looking to either renew or cancel Black Mirror, I would be thinking about that because you kind of have to. Um, So I I don't think it's entirely, you know, pointless to talk Mm. about what you thought as a whole. Um, overall, I enjoyed the season. Okay. I, I think there were a lot more hits than misses for me in this season. Yeah. Um, but perhaps not as much as like season two, I really enjoyed. Um, and, and as well, season one, but I haven't seen season three. I think that's, that's different about this season of Black Mirror is there's one or two episodes, probably two episodes that I thought completely fell flat on their face okay. that had kind of laughable technology and the implications on society in a way that like you know it's like they 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 jumped too far ahead like usually black mirror and you know black mirrors made me laugh black mirrors made me cry black mirrors made me very 
very angry. Uh, and I enjoy all those emotions it generates, but derision yeah. is not like some of these episodes felt like jumped two or three epochs in technology ahead to where we didn't see any of the resulting society transformations that all the intermediate steps we just jumped to like, look at this absurd conclusion. Hmm. People are going to download your memories and use them against you in a court of law. Like, like as like, what the fuck? When, when? I mean, I get that we like shit on our rights of privacy right now, but how the hell do we get to this this world? And that's the first time that like oh. some things felt, I guess, genuinely false to me, and not in the okay. way like not in like just me rebelling against like oh I don't like what this says about current society or where we're heading, but just like I I, I don't know, that seems 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 dumb. Yeah, I, I guess I never felt bad. The the ways in which some of those episodes that I think you're talking about let me down is. I think they didn't do anything interesting with the premise they set up or anything mm -hmm. beyond just what I initially felt they would do. Mm -hmm. Like, here's a premise. We're just going to explore it in kind of a mundane sort of way. Like, yeah. I'm not interested in, like, the obvious conclusions right. on a specific piece of technology. That's never been the thing that Black Mirror has done so well. Right. Most of the time, it's it's either... It's some kind of cautionary tale where they go, oh, you didn't think about this aspect right. of this technology, um, which really gets me going. Or it's some kind of like comment they're making about our current society. Right. And I, and I think those are those ideas are in some of these episodes that I think you, we both thought were less than stellar. But for me, it was all about just like do something interesting with the concept you're setting up as opposed to just telling this fairly straightforward story. Yeah. Like like episode two very much feels like just a fucking straightforward, like, we're going to put this thing where we can see through your eyes and your brain, and mm -hmm. that's we're just going to tell a story with that, and it's yeah. not going to have any twists, and it's mm -hmm. just going to be straightforward. Yeah. Boring. All right, All right so let's, <laughs> let's, let's get to talk about particulars. The first episode was USS Callister. Oh, yeah. Uh, directed by Toby Haynes, written by Charlie Bur Brooker, who wrote all the other episodes, and William Bridges collaborating. Uh it is stars Jesse Plemons, who mm -hmm. we know as uh, Meth Damon or Fat Damon, depending on whether you re remember him from Breaking Bad or Fargo Season 2. Mm -hmm. uh, Kristen Milioti, I think is how you pronounce her name, which you're going to hear me say that a lot this episode. Uh, who I've seen around, but this is the first thing I really sat up and take, took notice. Jimmy Simpson, who in addition to being a McPoyle, also had uh, a kind of star turn in Westworld. Uh, yeah. last year and michelle cole who you would recognize if you have seen the netflix show chewing gum don't, uh, for, don't forget jimmy simpson's role in house of cards as well i think oh right maybe he you're was, forgetting his amazing the hacker an, animated fish on an uh, ipad uh-huh um so i will say i want to open up with this like two weeks ago i was fit we were finished up today uh, I think we were waiting to, because, you know, we usually don't go home the nights we go see a bald movie, and, like, you know, I was catching up on some paperwork and, and some correspondence, and you're like, well, I'm going to go watch television. So you turned on a television, and I heard the opening bars of a Star Trek episode, like an old series episode, and I, mm -hmm. but I, but I didn't, you know, I've got an encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek, and I'm like, I don't recognize the premise of this one, like the first 30 <laughs> seconds, and I said, Jim... 
are you watching the old series or the animated series? Because I haven't right. seen or remember all the animated series. Like, it goes, I'm watching episode one of Black Mirror. I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> it tricked you. I don't know what better praise you can lobby at something that's being satired than saying I found it indistinguishable from the original product mm-hmm. if I was just listening to it. Because Jesse Plemons does a pretty fucking good James T. Kirk. He does. Yeah, he does a real good one. Um, So, obviously spoilers for all of black black mirror mm-hmm. i mean we're about to spoil the shit out of everything oh yeah um so stop watching if you ha- uh have not seen it and want to um so the premise of this is I th- at first i thought it was just i'm like huh this is kind of weird they're just going to tell a straight up star trek like i wonder if they're going to go back and like redo the 70s star trek with full knowledge of the actual technology we have it in the 20 and 21st century and maybe right. what will that change like like what is the deal are they going to look into like how absurd like the very noble image of star trek is with like super high mini skirts and go-go boots or like what what's the hook here mm-hmm. and eventually the hook is revealed that this is jesse Plemons, who is a very frustrated cto of a company that he started with his friend uh, Jesse Jimmy Simpson, and he takes out his frustrations in a workplace on this virtual world. Yeah, that's populated. Here's the Black Mirror angle. Uh, it's entirely populated by virtual clones. Would you call them? Yeah, yeah, exact like identical simulations of the people he works with. Which I don't know how, but I'm I'm persuaded that if you were able to simulate a person. So much that the simulation thinks they're that person, Mm -hmm. then you, for all intents and purposes, are dealing with an actual living human being, something that can experience pain and suffering. And yeah, uh, I mean, that's going to be probably one of the primary things we talk about for this episode. Right. Um, Uh, And and, and the way now it's it's a little dodgy the way this technology works. Essentially, he gets a DNA sample from you and somehow yeah. he has all of you. He doesn't have, like, an idiot... Ba- and I thought that's maybe what it was, like, when the, he captures the first the the, the, the the first woman who were introduced and she puts her in the simulation, I thought that she was going to be, like, an unformed idiot person that he has to slowly teach. Right. But it's not. They no, no. They have all the... Comes f- equipped with all the memories and experiences of the person. Yeah. Which is... I'm willing to overlook it for the premise because, um, you know, they they've... <laughs> It's, I guess, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to say, hey, we're going to get you in, like, this cloning box. Right. And we're going to we're gonna hook your brain up to, to this computer and map your brain without people knowing. I like the way that Sixth Day did it. Remember that old Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger where they took clone no. bodies, so that's the one thing. And then to the guise of a vision exam, they flashed your something along your optic nerve and they used it as like a high speed fiber optic thing into your brain where they could they could scan within seconds your entire brain. Huh, okay. I mean that's at least some kind of sop. Now, I guess the other thing is like I think you're supposed to understand that that Jesse Plemons has written a very popular virtual reality program. He has. So it's yeah. entirely possible that he could grab neural scans from anyone that's 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 played the game and mm, and certainly yeah. um Kristen uh whoever her character's name she, that she would be one that cuz she worked for the company. Well, they make it pretty clear that that's not possible, right? Hmm. Because of the lollipop stuff and the the stuff where he got he got my DNA off the lip of a cup or whatever. All right. Well, maybe so they got... make it ex- explicit that he has to have their DNA. That's the mechanism here. Maybe that's how he gets their physical likeness. 
yeah, definitely physical likeness, but along with that comes somehow memory. All right, so it seems like it's it's, it's magic. It yeah. seems like it's pseudoscience, but right. um, so this is an examination of essentially what we think. What is a human? Sure. Combined with an examination of the toxic forms of fan culture. Um, not even fan culture. To me, it was more the the toxicity of, or I guess like escaping into a virtual place to deal with things that you should deal with in the real world that the, they are then expressed in in terrible ways in the real world because you never actually deal with them right but isn't that an interesting concept because like oh yeah no it's like, like totally interesting like i think having a holodeck where you could have like the reginald barkley style of having you know i i, don't, I mean ah oh, this is Boy, because I'm I'm wrestling with what 13 year old me thought with now what 41 year old me thinks about this stuff. But like, right? It seems like a holodeck where you can simulate things that happen in your own life and try different things. Like if you could like get the you've got a someone bullies you and you can try out you can you can best them in the simulation or you can try out withering insults. It could be an effective form of like I guess therapy or a way to get to get over some of those traumatic things, but. You also have, like, yeah. is it cool? Are we cool when we have holodecks of millions of people virtually fucking John Hamm and Scarlett Johansson? Right. Without their knowledge or consent. Like, if and they're I just, think that's important. If they're just, yeah. if they're just simulations of people and, and you're having sex with them on your personal holodeck, is that okay? If it's not okay, how can we reasonably stop it? And then what, what if the simulation is actually indistinguishable from the actual person? Like, is it suddenly sure. cool that people are working out their issues on a virtual world that's populated by real people, and then they're, like, super sane and nice in the real world? What the yeah. hell does that even mean? I think um, kind of as it's limited to this episode where he's dealing specifically with coworkers mm -hmm. whom he should have conversations with, and he's dealing with real-world frustrations with those people yeah. in a simulated virtual environment, I think that's where it becomes like this bleeding of toxicity from the virtual world to the real world, where as like training as training wheels, maybe a simulation of somebody would be great, right? Like you're saying, go through a, a, an array of scenarios where like, okay, I approach them this way. How do they react? I approach them this way. How do they react? I mean, like run a simulation of um, a pitch meeting you're going to have. Right. You know? But... It, then go and have that real fucking pitch meeting. And the problem right. here, in my mind, um, aside from the idea that these simulations are essentially people mm -hmm. uh, in in every respect, uh, the problem there is he never goes and deals with those toxic feelings in the real world. Yeah. And so he's always – he's carrying baggage both directions, right? Like everything that happens in the real world is feeding his simulations and vice versa. Right. So he's 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 building up these people into monsters – um, when they disagree with him in the virtual world right. and taking those feelings into the real world. Right. It's also interesting. I, I do think there is something about commentary of, like, fandom because I've seen with my own eyes on the Internet fans of a medium espouse worldviews that the heroes of that medium would utterly reject. Like, I've seen racist Star Trek fans. Right. I've seen, yeah. you know racist captain america fans i've seen i've seen all kinds of shit that like it shouldn't go like i've mm -hmm. seen people watch rick and morty and and worship rick sanchez which <laughs> if you've watched rick and morty you should know that's 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 crazy it's that's 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 insane yeah. uh 
Jesse Plemons is 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 doing this knockoff version of the United Federation of Planets, and he even inside the fantasy maintains its its adherence and an ideals, but he's also mm-hmm. enslaving these people. Yeah. And I also like the kind of twist where, like, I thought there was going to be some really disgusting sexual predation, but he's kept the weird (laughs) virginal chastity of, like, well, not even, like... the fake show, right? Yeah, yeah, because, like, the real Star Trek was sexy for its time. Yeah. And provocative for its time, but, like, that kind of weird um, uh, pre-adolescent chastity... Uh, this like like I thought it was just going to be fucking and sucking and all kinds of degrading shit, but yeah. it's mostly just dehumanizing shit to get people to play. I don't know. That I love the moment when Jimmy Simpson whips his pants off. Right, he's just got this right. smooth like or just sort of bump. Yeah, it's like we even tried yeah. we tried rubbing them together for a couple hours, just yep. nothing, just nothing. <laughs> so all they do is these people. All they do is they when when Jesse Plum's not around, they just drink. Mm-hmm. They drink desperately uh, to try to to try to medicate their. And I thought they they could do you know they did a lot of the concept. They did, but there's yeah. a couple things where he had I forget who the villain was. Was he just like a vendor to piss Jesse Plemons off or something? Uh, yeah, so I I don't remember exactly, but he was a coworker, sure. Uh, oh, he's a coworker. Okay, uh, and he was the chief villain, and he's like physically scarred because of all the shit that the Jesse Plemons has done, and also because I guess it fits in his persona. There's one point where, like, you know, Jesse Plemons, uh, the captain, had bested this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, haven't, you know, and I think they were leading to a dramatic death. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting because why would you keep these people around eternally? Maybe as a as a reward for good behavior and because it's dramatically interesting, you monster, Jesse Plemons, you could kill some of these people off for good. Uh-huh. And he doesn't do it. And that's yeah. that service the more horrifying aspect of the thing, but yeah. I also thought it was the less interesting actual possibility. Hmm. Okay. Because at what point do these people like they made a good case for Jesse Plemons that, or I'm sorry, Jimmy Simpson that his character didn't want his son to be involved, like you know that this yeah. guy had stolen the lollipop and he was cloning his son and doing awful things to him to kind of, but like. Even that, after how many decades, like, how many decades would you eventually say, you know what, I'm I'm out. I mm-hmm. can't do this anymore. Sure. Uh, which they did play around with with Black huh. Museum, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. Yeah, we will. Um, did you have any others that kind of, those are kind of like my very small quibbles where I think they could have done something more interesting with the show and they didn't. But... I didn't have a lot of problems with this first one. I think the first one was really, really dark and really well constructed and and because of its conceit i was on pins and needles because black mirror being the type of show it was like i there could have been the darkest of endings yeah and and i was pleasantly surprised i guess to see them kind of uh you know let the the crew win against the the captain like they had a very believable way that they internally hacked their way out and 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 got the real life quote unquote Kristen Miliati to to break into Jesse Plemons' house and destroy all of the you know DNA evidence they've got but then I'm like they don't have a long-term plan though is is the trouble here right. because like look this is the guy who created the company right. this guy is on the day-to-day monitoring and managing the cloud-based system that they have serving up all this content 
he could easily find you and torture you again from the cloud. Because, he could encapsulate the real you life Kristen, and put him back into his computer simulation. Because the quote-unquote, the, the, I won't say real life, I'll say the Kristen Prime and Jimmy Simpson Prime have no defenses against they don't know that Jesse Plemons is a monster. Right. So it would be very easy for them to get that DNA and put him right back and now... Or, or even get the, the, the patterns of the simulation from the cloud. Like, yeah. they've escaped to a cloud which right. he himself controls. Maybe so that'll be a sequel. It's a larger subset of, of... Or I guess it's a larger place for them to explore, but it's still under his influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they don't have a, lar- a long-term plan... Uh, which is problematic for me. It just so happens that the firewall, you know, incapacitates daily by the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's rendered, I guess, a vegetable at the end of this. Like, the whole sy- simulation shuts down. And I think so. That essentially, like, your mind, he's locked his in mind there. was trapped inside. I mean, that... Yeah. That seems kind of dumb, but you know, like it's it's again, it's it's the Maybe, way... I mean, it's I don't the, know it's how the, the interface the, works. That's what I'm saying. It's the yeah. magic way that this thing works. Yeah. Um, it's like, I don't think your whole brain literally goes inside the machine. I would think it would be some kind of link. So like how in the world can a firewall erase your actual neurons? I don't know, but it's, it's, it's magic. It's whatever. Yeah. I did like the end. <laughs> they also took a jab at internet culture where like, right. so their thing and they're just committing suicide, which was, uh-huh. would, would be victory in their, you know, the ending of their, this is kind of like, I have no mouth and I must scream literally at one point. Yeah. The first the time the Jesse Plemons tortured Kristen, he just takes away her mouth, nose, and eyes, and mm-hmm. she would just endlessly suffocate yep. until he get you know because she still needs to breathe, but she can't die. Right, and like you know that's um. I, do you know what I'm referring to? I have no mouth, but I must scream. Uh, the game. Well, but it was also based on a classic short oh, story right, that was right. written by. Fuck, he would be so outraged that I've forgotten his name. Uh, a very famous science fiction author who's got a problematic relationship with Star Trek and a bunch of other stuff. He's a, he's a very, very much a curmudgeon, and I can't remember his name, <laughs> okay. and that amuses me. Uh, so, yeah. Um, it, it's a lot of that kind of, like, psychological body horror of being being the victim of a, of a cruel god. Yeah. Uh, but they also had that swipe of internet culture where, like, pleasantly they're, – they're pleasantly surprised to survive the ordeal. Mm-hmm. Now they're actually in the larger game and they're floating around and they can – they've got the starship. They can explore space, which is, like, not a bad way to spend however long sure. this company keeps their servers on. Um but they find the player and they're like, you know, they're going to they're gonna treat this like Star Trek and that player's like, you know <laughs> – do you know the way kind of like he just immediately start trolling or you know like if he can't use them or abuse them he's not interested in them right yeah he's playing a game this is their real fucking life right <laughs> like, it's it's kind of fucked up did you recognize the voice no who was it aaron paul no shit yeah oh that's cool. and he's doing like his full-on jesse too it's that's cool it's great <laughs> All right, yeah. that's funny because it's so. It's, I'm surprised I didn't because he also has a really good turn on BoJack Horseman where Aaron Paul and BoJack Horseman is not doing a voice, mm-hmm. but he is performing. If that makes sense, sure. So, like he wasn't yeah. doing a funny character voice for Jesse, but he wasn't mm-hmm. performing, and it's this subtle distinction is kind of interesting. Huh, that's cool. Do we have? Um, I don't know what what more to, to to say about this. I don't know. I mean, there's still the angle of like, are these people? Should these be treated as people? You know, like how how far do you go um, in saying, hey, these simulations are people? Yeah, because it's how, like, how do you afford them the same rights and and that kind of stuff as human beings deserve? Right. Because I'm like, you know, I, I I'm playing this game Fortnite, and one of the things you have to do is rescue civilians from zombies, mm-hmm. and these. 
the civilians who are not player characters, they're just procedurally generated people, they they scream and they run and they take damage and eventually fall to their knees and die. Mm-hmm. They're not people. Right. But how far into the simulation where you've got like a like a like a like a realistic simulation of a person that you could torture and trick and deceive or make fall in love with you, like when does that stop becoming a program and become a form of life? Also, if you can that easily clone, I guess, human beings right. um, in simulated form, how how quickly does the value of life degrade? Yeah. Like, how, how easily can you dispose of things and like that? And it goes that? both ways. Because I, I see this working on both ways because, like, increasingly there's this, like, I just saw in, in, in some Scandinavian country they outlawed the boiling of live rot lobsters. Okay. And it's yeah. an interesting kind of, like, stand-in for this debate because simultaneously in the 21st century, we're redefining what it means to be cruel to, like, animals, and, and but we're also tolerating what seemingly, un, in my mind, a lot of inhumanity to, like, our fellow man, like, cruelty and making them f- live in substandard conditions and, and the way mm-hmm. we treat them in prison and stuff like that. So, like, a lobster is not a person, Right. Does it feel pain? Scientists, if you ask them a question, are kind of like, eh. it, it perceives noxious stimuli and tries to withdraw itself from that situation, but so does an amoeba. Does an amoeba, amoeba can't possibly feel pain. Would, would. But a person can, and a dog can, and then mm-hmm. like you go down the line until it's like you're looking at animals that like seem to suffer, but are they really suffer? Like it's, it's, it's really, an, it's, it's an academic and yet real life question that I think. You know, if, if we're passing laws against banning fucking boiled lobsters, I think we're pretty close, <laughs> in my mind, uh, to passing laws banning slaughtering of civilians and video games. Well, well that was going to be my question. Like, would that same law apply to a very well-simulated lobster? Like, could you say, well, I've programmed this lobster to feel to feel pain. Yeah. I programmed this lobster to recoil from the hot water. Right. I've programmed this lobster to act like a lobster. Right. And in this game, I can throw it into a pot of boiling water. Yeah, right. Because the, the question is... Is that outlaw? Because the thing is, like, whether something feels pain, which is essentially just a stimulus, I don't think is... The question is, can a can a, can a, in a organism perceive suffering and horror? Because if it can, okay. like if the lobster yeah. is just like it's it's like uh, like the T eight hundred, you know, as it's going into like in the end of T two, Terminator two, it's going into the hot, the hot, the hot molten magma. Yeah, it's receiving all kinds of pain signals. There's all kinds of things like as it's as it's losing consciousness and dying. There's all kinds of critical warning. This is killing you. Get out of this right now. Yeah, and but it's it's not. It's clearly not suffering. It's giving the kid a thumbs up. Let me know. Hey, I'm cool. <laughs> like. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't think you know. Lobster obviously is not programmed to let us know that hey, you're, it's, it's whether you boil them or not. It's cool. Like, I'll, I'll if you leave me in a tank, I'll eat my own arm. I'll right. result to can't like I, I do all kinds of weird shit that you guys would think is is utterly unhuman. <laughs> Look at me, I've got like a million legs underneath this thing. Ah, I'm a fucking a nightmare creature. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so like, that's a great question because you know this thing could be like like imagine if you could have a simulated biological human. Mm-hmm. That's like essentially a vegetable, but it responds realistically to drugs and surgeries and all kinds of other treatments. Like that would be such a boon to medical science. Sure. You could stop using great apes as analogs and killing a bunch of pigs and mice and all this other stuff. Yeah. But like, what if you got to simulate a mind to test antidepressants? Yeah, I feel feel like we're going to have less 
less objections to like simulating a physical body as opposed to simulating the brain because it's, it is all about the brain like you're saying right it's about what what you can feel what you can respond to how you can express that and experience it yeah um so when you start simulating those types of things it becomes problematic what if you cloned the human body you grew it out of that but you when you when you genetically engineered it it just wouldn't grow a brain mm-hmm well, there's a lot of people to be. I mean, I, I admit that's an uncomfortable kind of like body horror fiction. But like, I guess if there was a sign up process for that, I would sign it up because that 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 Aaron meat laying on the table getting cut and experimented on is not going to perce- is not going to perceive anything. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have a you know I don't it doesn't have a soul to lose or anything like that. It's like, but but will it cheapen human life? That's the other question. Yeah, um, and I think. That's um, something that they don't quite explore. Like the the bigger questions are n- are not usually explored, even in this show. Um, they're just like kind of surface level, right? And even this one is sort of surface level. It's very very dark, and it goes it goes places in that regard, but it doesn't quite explore like the larger questions that I have, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which you can't do everything in an hour. No, you cannot. Uh, shall we move on? Yeah. A uh, second episode is Archangel, directed by Jodie Foster, uh, and written like they all from here on out by Charlie Brooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is about a a mother played by Rosemary DeWitt, who has played a cottage industry of playing off kilter, somewhat crazy women. Unless she's playing opposite of uh, Anne Hathaway, and then she's the stable one. Anne Hathaway's a crazy <laughs> woman. Okay. Uh, and Brenna Harding, who as playing the daughter, which I've never seen before, but I thought she was pretty good. Um, this is a parable of how involved a parent should be in their life, like what responsibilities a parent has from sheltering their child from making mistakes. And the, how the one note I have is overprotective mother. And how <laughs> and how parents can go overboard and underboard. Because the beginning of mm-hmm. it is the woman loses her three year old in the neighborhood and then she has this kid implanted with this chip that allows her to yeah. see everything and hear everything. She can monitor her cortical stress levels. And really fucked up, she can enable a content filter, which makes something that the child <laughs> Essentially, looks at. the consequences of her actions go away. <laughs> right. Like, she can't perceive blood. She can't see a barking dog that's scary. Like, yeah. it just blurs. And to me, it's like that makes a child, that makes fundamentally a child less safe in the world. Yeah. Because, you know, that's that's something that's very interesting. Every once in a while, children are born without pain receptors, mm-hmm. speaking of the lobster thing. And those people are almost always very short-lived because it turns out, like, painful stimulus is critical to keeping our dumb asses alive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like like we would just be a walking – I mean, I'm not sure exactly why it is. But I do know that that's, like, like because, like, you know, we're, we're, we don't keep us – from getting abraded we don't keep from cutting ourselves when we have a wound we don't keep it clean and we don't protect it because it doesn't hurt and you just end up you end up dying of like massive trauma or systemic infection yeah evolution has only gotten us so far in that regard <laughs> right so uh, so i think it's i think this was an interesting and it also this drove me crazy because like i had a mother who would have loved to had this thing like yeah. my mom Long before I ever did anything that would have warranted it was tossing my room for contraband and angrily confronting me with anything she found that was double plus ungood. 
And this story is about how, like, how weird that would make a kid. And I identified very strongly with that. And the unintended consequences, I guess, of overprotection. Um, right. And, and I think the filter thing is good to include in that because it kind of shows, it, it, it sort of demonstrates along the way, like, the the well-meaning of it all, I guess. Like, the parent wants to keep the daughter safe and doesn't want her experiencing these really traumatic things. And you should. And you so should. you turn this filter on. But, right. like, it it... It starts as that, and then it eventually becomes this thing where the filter is its own worst enemy, where it breeds this kind of behavior that is hurting the daughter even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And and, and the fact that, like, you know, you you have this child that's born as completely helpless, and if you do everything right, at the end you have a strong adult who's capable of making decisions and living with the consequences of their actions— it's all the trick, the middle ground. It's all very tricky. Like, you know, sure. when do you, yeah. the stuff that I'm grappling right now is with a proto teenager. Like, when do you let kids watch rated R movies? When is it okay for them to start watching porn? When can they, do you when stop they correcting them for swearing? Well, when, <laughs> when, when are they going to like rip a bong? And when are they going to f- have sex for the first time? And what kind of experimentation should they be allowed? And I think those are all great questions and parents have to, to, um, to to take them on their own and kind of figure things out, but like the, I guess what this is is like it, that's usually a two sided. The, the child, you know, argues for their independence and and acts in ways that they gain trust, and you know they also lie, manipulate, and do all the you know because that's a way of them getting their independence. But what if there's mm-hmm. a technology where it's a completely one sided shuts it down? Yeah, yeah. You, you, and I I felt that very strongly that like I just growing up didn't have the right to make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. There are some areas that like no matter. You know, like, even though I was becoming a, a person with my own thoughts and feelings, like, there's just no way I could ever gain sign my mother. And, you know, um, and it's like a lot is like I, I felt kind of traumatized and triggered after watching this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I also thought it was a deeply stupid episode because it's very one note. And it I thought it could that, have been yeah. a lot more nuanced. But it, it just shows it just refused to do that. And I, I don't. But I but also, like, I don't if you made. Rosemary DeWitt slightly more reasonable than this is just a standard mother-daughter relationship with a layer of technology on it, and she was slightly more sadistic, it would be Hmm. fucking Black Museum. So it falls in this uncanny valley of being kind of trite and predictable and infuriating if if you grew up with a domineering parent. Yeah, I feel you on that. I think this was probably my least favorite episode of this series, and not to say it's bad. I think... It's it's saying a lot of, I suppose, important things, but it's it's nothing that I haven't considered before. You know, okay. it didn't open my eyes to anything. Right, I, I say which, it's it's slightly below mediocre. It's not bad. I actually think the worst episode. Do you want to talk more about this? Uh, not in particular. No. Uh, the worst episode for me of this season is Crocodile. Crocodile. What, so this is the memory machine. This is the the memory machine uh, where this is okay. uh, directed by John uh, Hillcoat and written, of course, by Charlie Brooker. Brooker. Starring Andrea Riseborough. Mm-hmm. Um, and this seemed entirely Ke- pointless. Kieran Sonia Sauer. Uh, like, I, the, the resolution of this had nothing to do with the actual, like, technology. Like, I, the, the guinea pig, right? Okay, so... Oh, yeah, like... So I, I have problems with, oh, the idea that a, a thing that reads a human brain could read a guinea pig brain. Yeah. A, 
Like what um, is a guinea? Like what would a guinea pig's memory of that thing be? Right. And how would you trigger it? Right. You give it a, a carrot or whatever it was eating right. that day. Like. Right. And, and let it smell its and, own piss. And you for a talk while. to it like I. The procedure for getting memories out doesn't seem like it would ever work with a guinea pig. But right. But the, granting, you know that that little bit of, uh, I guess latitude here, I. I didn't feel like the resolution was surprising really in any way no. like the the baby being blind was kind of like dark and fucked up but it, was it wasn't important it's almost a funny moment especially when the guinea pig was revealed like it felt right. like a it, joke. it was completely unimportant and and everything leading up to it i was thinking this is a bad person mm-hmm. this is a bad person that i don't want to succeed right i don't want you getting away i want them to catch you well there's other thing is she's a bad person but like what was interesting to me is that she tried to do the right thing, and arguably she was bull- like when at the this, beginning, yeah. When this dude came back and started all this ruckus, I would have said, "Yes, go!" Like I, I wanted to do that on that day, and you forced me, and you took my phone, so I couldn't do anything else but help you. And I'm in the middle of this wasteland, and what if you kill me? If I like, like it's an easy argument to make that she was forced. Now. I mean, I in the moment, but I mean moment, later, she then, certainly had latitude to go say, "Hey, we did this terrible thing." Right, 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 right. And then she murders. She keeps on murdering and keeps yeah. on murdering. And then she like, I use the other thing is like they make it clear that she doesn't have to cooperate with this man, man, manner, matter, yeah. but she does anyway. Which, but I think like she could get a warrant or something for this. I, I don't know exactly what it was. Yeah, it's that's the thing. Do you see what I'm saying? Is like. It felt like the society had jumped three levels beyond privacy mm. invasions that that I was not aware of. Um, because I don't know, like, the world's getting pretty fucked up in what you can and cannot use as evidence for people. Okay. Like, like Is it? you can... You can, like a, like, a, like, a police officer in some instances can grab your phone because he's taking an inventory of your possessions... And he's pulled you over for drinking and driving, and you're drunk. And then he starts scanning through, and turns out he's got a conversation where you bought an eight ball three weeks ago from your dealer, and now you're mm-hmm. getting a drug charge, or like I, I, I mean, or Facebook posts leading to on, on the and... one hand, it's like if like, like you've got the argument, like well, if you've got nothing to hide, then what's the worry about? But and, and then you know, like I always think that's a stupid argument, and anyone that still makes it hasn't thought about it for five minutes. But on the other hand, yeah, is it? Are, are capital crimes like murder and rape and arson, are, are, do we want to solve them or not? And if we had a foolproof, perfect way of doing it, why, why is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Like I'm saying, like, this woman is a criminal and she should be caught and she is caught through gross, what I would perceive as a gross invasion of a person's privacy. Sure. I almost kind of wish it went the other way and it was like she hadn't murdered anybody but she, yeah. but her memories were getting confused with her imagination by this right. machine, and or, she was convicted. Or because what if her of boyfriend it? and her had a consensual? Like it looked like she was choking him because that's uh-huh. how they like to get along, the down and right, and that and she got like bound. the death penalty for that or something, R- right? You know? Because this guy also just went missing that same night and yeah. like something like that. Because that's that's the that's the argument for why this is bad. Yes, because. Evidence is evidence, but people's interpretations and people act and do weird shit all the time. And also what we consider a crime changes all the time. 1950s, it was it was a crime to have consensual sex with another man if you're a man. Sure. Nowadays, it's just life. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, 
like, like, like that's that's I guess that's the reason we have privacy. I guess I, I so guess I'm the, watching what's... Black Mirror wrong. Are you? I, I'm watching Black Mirror. Wrong. I might be I'm, watching it wrong too. Right. I, I'm watching it, looking for the thing that is supposed to put me off of everything they're showing me. Right. Like the the thing that says you want none of this technology. Yeah. Where as a matter of fact, they're actually doing stuff that in some cases says this technology is good and useful. Like in perhaps this episode and perhaps even the next episode. Or like Minority Report was great for that too. If you had a if you had a system that could detect people on the threshold of committing murder. Uh-huh. They haven't actually done it yet, but you're going to get them like theoretically 30 seconds before they take the knife that they're holding and plunge it in someone's heart. Is that bad? Or is that like... That, well, that, that, the that's Minority a... Report muddies the waters by saying, hey, you can tamper with this yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And manipulate it. But yeah, if you can't, sure. Yeah, I, like I this, don't think that's bad. Yeah, but this technology, it's like, you know, you'd have to have some strong controls on it. Like, if you're mm-hmm. going in to investigate this uh, self-driving car running over somebody, which I mm-hmm. bet Elon Musk loves that shit. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like like, and I I also can't wait to see what happens in real life when the first automated car runs over and kills somebody. Yeah, it's gonna be glorious. <laughs> Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be hilarious to watch that. Like it's gonna be a tragedy, but yeah. also whoever gets killed first, your your life is also gonna be this cosmic joke. That's true. Uh, that will have far-reaching impacts on how we proceed as a as a race, and that's all ridiculous. The fact that like okay, anyway, um, I don't even know where I was going. I got I got caught up in my self-driving car. Uh, uh, they- oh yeah, if you're there to investigate that, if you find some heinous shit in mm. someone's memory that doesn't have anything to do with that other investigation. It should it should, it should be a non-issue, right? It's like a it's like again a police they come they have a, a warrant to search something and they find evidence of some other crime. I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure legally what what if, if that's like. Hey, we thought you were a child molester and you're not. Mm-hmm. You didn't find any evidence of that? We found two ounces of of premium hydroponic marijuana. So mm-hmm. you're going you're going to jail for that? Like, is that how the legal system works? I'm honestly not sure. But if it's not, which I, I don't I think don't it should be, because like that's this cop's taking a wild ass. Like they could get a warrant for any kind of wild ass guess and find something illegal someone's doing in, in their home, like they're stealing cable, right? You know, I. I but that, yeah, like I felt like <laughs> there's there's a strong argument in the other direction, which me, which is you should be punished for the things you do. They're bad. Sure, just like like you uh, know, client or um, you whether know, you did them. Patient today confidentiality or seven years ago goes out the window if the doctor or psychiatrist or therapist thinks you are in imminent danger to yourself or others. Right. Like like hey, I'm I can't take my wife. I've got a gun. And I've got it loaded, and every night I come home and think of a reason why I shouldn't blow her fucking brains out. You're going to get the cops coming to your house because yeah. that's scary shit. I, right. I don't know. Like I said, it's it's crazy because I felt like – like I just – like halfway through this episode, I'm like, this is fucking stupid. This is dumb. How in the world is she going to disappear? All these people. Like, it's increasingly desperate and sad. It is, yeah. Like, she killed this guy. Okay, fine. Now she killed this other guy. All right. Well, he's the guy that did it originally. Uh, Now she's killing this insurance adjuster who's just busting her ass and got this young family. And, oh, Jesus Christ, she's going back to kill her husband. And baby, (laughs) oh, my. Like, this this person transformed into a monster in the course of an hour. And what did I learn, you know? Yeah, I... And, and that's why I say maybe this episode is trying to say it's good tech, right? Because that person was caught. Right. That person was they, 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 they got justice brought to for justice the murder for their of that crimes. young family. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's a positive thing here, as portrayed in this episode. Because they also showed the cost of an unsolved crime. Like that guy, what what eventually ate at that guy's guts is finding that this woman 
who, you know, he ran, like, he, you know, they went this drug-fueled rave, ran over someone on the way home, and... Uh, he, he and you know, that woman for this, this woman years. did not remarry. She yeah. kept this constant vigil. Always expected her husband. Like she's living in hell. Yeah. She's living in hell so that they can avoid the consequences of their actions. Right, and that's not right. No, it's not. But going but, and fishing around people's brains by insurance adjusters to uncover crimes that doesn't seem right either. Doesn't seem right either. And like I don't know, maybe that's it. But the thing is, also the episode I felt like should have stopped at a couple of these twists. Okay. Like yeah. like the, the 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 fucking guinea pig at the mm. end. Like that's where like I was already kind of starting to break on this stuff and then I just like I just can't fucking take it. I can't fucking take it. You want to take a break real quick to talk about today's sponsor of the Bald Moo TV podcast, RX Bar. Uh and you can go to rxbar.com/baldmove and enter the promo code baldmove at checkout to get 25% off your first order. Now RX Bar specializes in making uh, high-quality, no-BS protein mm. bars. I think they mean bullshit. Th- that is not listed as an ingredient, certainly. It is. In fact, it says no BS. Oh, okay. Perfect. So I'm, I'm, I think that B, B, uh, S could mean sugar because there's no added sugar That's right. or preservatives. In fact, they, they the, the labels are very... Their labels remind me of those, um, you know, T-shirts were all the rage where they had, like, John and Ringo and... George and and Paul. The other one. The uh, other one. <laughs> the other like it's, way it's, more so I'm, famous. I'm looking one. at the blueberry one. <laughs> it's three egg whites, six almonds, four cashews, two dates. No, that's that's the ingredient list. Yeah, and it gives you four grams of protein. Now, if you never had protein bars, I'm not going to say these things taste like chocolate candy bars. Hmm. But I will okay. say. That these are the best protein bars I've ever tasted. <laughs> I was gonna say I've had a lot of protein bars, and these are easily the best. The the fact like the fact that they're they 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 don't have any artificial ingredients and stuff like that's that's pretty cool that they taste as well. But like to me, it's the bottom line is I don't feel like I need to drink a gallon of water after I have these because they're yeah. unbelievably moist. Yeah, a lot of protein bars use like whey or rice proteins. These right. are you're actually getting egg your whites. proteins from egg whites, so Which are supposedly the easiest for your body to digest. Yeah, and they they're moist and they are they are delicious and I feel like like cause like a lot of other protein bars I eat I'm like oh Jesus I have to drink all the water mm-hmm. because these things are they're, these things are dry it's like dehydrated peanut butter and it's stuck to the roof of my mouth mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not choking it down without five gallons of water right these these are delicious yeah they're, and they come in a lot of different flavors so and, and here here's my bone to pick with RX bar I'm allergic to cashews y'all. I can only eat your peanut and chocolate peanut butter. Look what Jim gets. Jim gets blueberry. Jim gets mixed berry. Jim gets coconut chocolate. Jim doesn't even like coconut. I love coconut. Yeah, Jim's girlfriend gets coconut. Jim gets chocolate sea salt, and they all have four cashews, four cashews, four cashews, four cashews. There there are flavors that you can definitely participate in. There's a chocolate peanut butter, which is really good. And and peanut butter, yeah, and they're so good. I want to they, they I, I need an, an Aeron RX bar mm-hmm. that is. They take the cashews out and they put in I don't know almonds or peanuts or anything. Yeah, because uh, I I they they're so good. I want to try these other flavors. I'm craving them. Yeah, but I can't I can't have them because well, allergic. I mean there there are eleven different flavors to to try. So, but that's not their that's not their fault. No. I was just born with an allergy to cashews. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't. If you can't, if you if if you if you if you can't eat cashews, mm-hmm. there's no reason for you not to go to rxbar.com/baldmove and try these delicious protein bars out and get 25% off your first order. rxbar.com/baldmove. Well, uh, maybe we should talk about the next one. 
404, Hang the DJ. Hang the DJ, directed by Tim Van Patten, uh, starring Georgina Campbell, which I really liked. I've not seen her in anything before. And also Joe Cole, who I did not. And <laughs> I didn't really see... Like, so this is, an ep- this is an episode about a future... Well, it purports to be an episode about a future where people have this app that is essentially the matchmaker. Mm-hmm. It puts them in random combinations of relationships, measures their happiness, and eventually arrives at a decision that 99.2% of the time works every time. 99.8%? 8% of the yeah. time. 99.8% of the time works every time, and they live forever or they live forever and ever happy ever after. But like you can, you can meet someone at the bar. Um, there's a lot of questions I have about the society. But you meet someone at the bar... And you look at your app, and it says your relationship will last for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I get, I'm really hitting it off with this person. What do I do? And then I'm with the person for a year that I hate. Like, and, and every time you ask the app, it says everything happens for a reason. I, I really like the premise of this episode, but I have a lot of questions. I had a million questions until the end of it, and now I have zero. Okay. Because it's not... It's not a real world. It's not a real place. It's it's all happening in a simulation inside of a computer, uh, which is giving you the score that you see on fucking Tinder or OkCupid or yeah. whatever the hell dating app right. you're on, which to me is is easily, of all the Black Mirror episodes I've ever seen, the most positive one. Because it says, look how useful of a thing this app is doing for yeah, like you because shit if you on online dating right. but it's far less crazy than what we did Dude, throughout yeah. all of human history like arranged marriages <laughs> going for drunken hookups at bars yeah dating people that you work with madness all madness. friends of friends who right. may or may not be cool like right exactly blind dates yeah. are you kidding me you can you can get a fairly accurate representation of someone in a digital format here I'm, that's boiled down into a number, yeah. 99.8 in this case, that yeah. tells you how likely they are to be good for you. Yeah. I mean, when I was using OkCupid, I met my my wife, uh-huh. and we were 92% compatible. And we have been together over uh, – like we, we've, we've known each other for seven years, been together for five, and we've been married one, and we're fantastically happy, and everything's awesome. Yeah. That's way better than I think the results are of just like randomly trying to figure out like whose ethos and and and, and you know likes and dislikes match up like like some scientific method in up in this bitch right ain't bad at all but that's <laughs> and, the thing the ninety nine so I think the ninety nine point you're supposed to understand is they ran a simulation between these two people yeah and like they ran it a thousand times and nine hundred nine nine hundred ninety eight of them achieved ended up getting married in this, this yeah broke out of the the confines of the wall like followed their passion right right but that's a, like a, it seems like an unnecessarily complex simulation yeah i think I, I mean it's there more for like the audience to tell us hey these are the things you would have to experience yeah if it weren't for this app i you wish it was a real to... world and that was the final test before they allow you to get to permanent matches that you were willing to but do this right. like fucking midnight run or logan's run or, or you know you're willing to like uh completely break like you're willing to be like the truman truman from the truman show you're yeah. gonna you're gonna escape the dome uh-huh. uh you're that sure you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be a fugitive from society that's how sure you want to be with this person and then it ends up being a simulation and like what a crazy weird detailed simulation of this is and also mm-hmm. uh you know coming out the tail end of like the uss callister 
are all those people real? Did a <laughs> yeah, thousand a couples question. get annihilated in, in this instant because these two people are meeting at a bar and want to see if they're going to be happy fucking each other for the rest of their lives? Like, Do they have their DNA? That's my question. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, no, I, I thought it was cool because it's both like this weird feel of a dystopian kind of future where like – like you said, this app kind of controls who you're going to be with um, and, and kind of learns and gets gets to know you and then says, this is a perfect match. But then it's also, it turns out to be like a real world grounding yeah. at the very end where a lot of the times like they, the Black Mirror episodes will stay in some far flung future with a crazy piece of tech, right? Right. This, in a, in a really cool way for me, grounded it in our current reality. Hmm. In, in a piece of technology, like it used this weird like future thing with the the little chip they have or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. to kind of tell me something about the real world in a very concrete way which i thought was awesome yeah you're right because like me and Cecily when we we're watching this we're like what the fuck do these people yeah. do for jobs do they actually <laughs> right. have other houses or they just live in these love nests are there like whole communities of young people that they can't get out until they've been matched up and they're they uh-huh. they just sit there at the park and they boat and they have dinners and they go to wedding ceremonies and that's it until you get out like you have your self-driving car drive you to your one-night stand. Like, what? How the fuck? But then it's like, oh, I guess it's a simulation, so why would you simulate the boring shit? Sure. But the boring shit is a big – so I guess I kept on pushing back. Like, the boring shit's a, a – a, a ver- because the the real-life version of the woman that we like, you know, she's got, like, a na- nose piercing and half her head shaved, and she's, like, a very different look. And ethos of what I saw, the simulated version of her. And I don't want – I didn't have an yeah. impression of the dude. That's true. Like – how is that a valid simulation? You're running the fucking leave it the beaver version of this person. Yeah. Maybe that's hmm. maybe that's what they're trying to say. I, I don't know. I don't know about that part. I hadn't considered it. But it's like a low res simulation that only simulates their sexual and like downtime compatibility. Yeah. Like how they see work life balance. Nah, fuck that. Kids, mm-hmm. meh. Um I did yeah. like the I did like the thing where when he unilaterally, like they, like you know, like one of the things is we both have this Palm Pilot thing that you clip to your arm, and that's like your advisor, and it tells you about the dating stuff, and it gives you dating advice, and mm-hmm. um, and one of the things is you can choose to look at how long your relationship is going to last, but you have to both opt into that. Yeah, and the uh, uh, Joel Cole, he at one point unilaterally because things he gets he gets. Uh, he had his one night stand with this woman. Then he had a miserable year long relationship with someone. Why she went through a variety of of sexual flings, yeah. flings just banging. They get thrown back together, uh-huh. and they're like, you know what? This time, let's not let's buck the trend. Let's not look at or let's not look at how long this relationship's going to last. And it's going so well for him that he cracks and he can't help. And it, and it says like seven years, and he's kind of delighted. Like that's mm-hmm. like what what would the, what would you know if I do if you found out that like you're going to be with your girlfriend seven more years? I mean that that's a good amount of time. It's not the, it's not the like perfect amount of time. That's not how we. But that's not but how it's people, like. Yeah, like what is the okay. perfect amount of time? Well, I mean, especially in that moment, like you want to be with him forever, right? Is she gonna like, die? Are we gonna get tired of each other? Am I gonna die? Well, I mean, more importantly, yeah. The, every every moment that you're in love, you want to be with that person forever, right? And then and when there you're is out no of love, amount of time that it could say like. 32 years. Well, yeah. shit. I mean, that's still not long enough. And I like the other the other side of that. Like, when she, she got with this one guy for three months or whatever, uh-huh. that he just had this thing where every time he took a drink, he went, yeah. ah. 
And that that was her. That was like eating crackers in bed for her. She just couldn't fucking stand it. And like, yeah. she just sullenly she has to stay with this guy for three more months. Like this, like, oh my god, I am so ready to be out, but I can't. Mm-hmm. It's like it it showed both sides of that. Like the fact that when you're happy, you can't imagine your life without this person. And when that shit flips, yeah. I think everybody who's older than twenty years old has probably seen both sides of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it flips, like you fucking can't wait to get out of the relationship. So that was all super interesting. It's like the the it, stuff that they tangentially brought up mm-hmm. was more interesting than the main the the main thing of the episode, I guess. Yeah, I guess like that number of when it comes back five years or whatever, it's like that becomes your whole focus. And, right. and I, I think that was the important thing that made the relationship so great in the first place is right. they didn't look at it, and so they never thought about it, right? Like, right. They were enjoying the moment, whereas if you're thinking ahead to like – Oh, how is this all going to pan out? Yeah. Is this person going to love me forever? Like, what happens when they don't? Like, right. that for him, like, the reason the time kept getting shorter and shorter is because that was his focus, right? I also think it's the broken trust. Like, you, the system that thought too. you yeah. were col- uh, compatible because you had similar ideas of dishonesty, and then when you broke the trust. Like, it's mm-hmm. weird. It's almost like a way to to look at the, exa- the, the examine cheating without any of the, like, well, you stuck your dick in somebody else kind of, like, drama yeah. that goes along with it. Because ultimately, right. the problem with cheating is that it's a breach of trust. Sure. And, you know, trust is required for any kind of intimate relationship. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Jim and I's relationship requires trust. Uh, relig- you know, if all family relationships require that. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, it's not necessarily infidelity because there's been tons of relationships that are open or on one side or the other um i don't know, like i said the sum of the episode is much more than or oh regard the other way the parts of the episode were much more than its sum i thought hmm. okay for for me the the sum of it was holy shit black mirror just did a positive technology episode it, i kept like at the very end i was confused by it I was very fucking confused because I was looking for right. the dark twist and yeah. it never came. And in fact, the opposite happened. Yeah. And I'm like, what did that just say to me? Yeah. Almost I, like... I almost said, there's no way Black Mirror could do something positive yeah. on technology. Yeah. It's surprising. And I eventually came around sweet, to it. But... And also that like, maybe this is the story of what these simulations are perceiving. Cause that's why the world is kind of like very rounded and sanded because there are, there are limits to the simulation and they're kind of confused and, there's also this thing about they couldn't remember the first time they met. There's something like they 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 couldn't remember details yeah. of the 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 past and like I, I thought there was a lot of tells yeah. that if you watched the episode again, you could go through and like oh well it's obvious here's where the simulate this is this is the part of the simulation that's yeah you know doing this one thing but it's weird because it's one sided because like I felt like like Joel got to experience seeing Georgina with some other dude, but she didn't get, like, so that's an interesting experience of, like, okay, we'll test that and see how he feels about that, and that might feed into your simulation about how much he loves her, but then where was the, where was the analog for, I guess she saw, they were both with someone. But it, Oh, that's right, yeah. But it seemed clear that, yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe I'd have to see this episode a few more times, which I'm probably not going to do. Yeah, and I like at the end how, it's not this sure thing, right? They don't yeah. they don't play it as if like they should obviously immediately just hook up and they'll be happy forever. They kind of play it almost a little a little cautious, right? Like they get this ninety nine point eight percent match rating and they kind of look at each other across the room 
But it's not like this immediate love connection. It's, yeah. it's more like, should we try this kind of thing? Like, Yeah. Because it's not a guarantee. You don't look at the number on the dating app and say, boom, that's it. Well, match, that's match for sure. Yeah, and the fact that it's ninety nine point eight percent, I thought was really funny too. Because imagine you're that point two percent, right? Yeah, that, like, and also like, you know, if you're in the throes of the early stages of a hormonal relationship, the temptation to think like it's almost a ultra romantic. We're the point two percent that the system doesn't get. We're fucking <laughs> Rome. We're the star crossed fucking simulated lovers. You know, like, right? Like, it's almost. I think I would I would find it more like better for society if it was like eighty seven percent effective, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, or like seventy five. It's better than just fucking around. But there's problems. You can't simulate people. I I, I thought it was delicious the ninety nine point eight percent because that means the vast majority of the time you're going to be fine. But like. Imagine meeting a married couple that's in a point two percent. Everyone right. around you is marital bliss, and you hate each other. Uh-huh. And there's no recourse for you. No one's going to believe Stuck you forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are we ready to move on to Metalhead? Yeah, Metalhead, uh, directed by David Slade. Uh, stri- there's a couple striking episodes. Like as much as I did not like Crocodile, mm-hmm. all that shit filmed in Iceland um, was gorgeous. Yeah was absolutely gorgeous and this is a fairly conventional sci-fi horror film filmed in stark black and white mm-hmm. uh it stars maxine peak essentially like it's it's her and a robotic dog for almost the entire episode i thought this was awesome because it came i was i was in no way expecting uh, like I kept, you know, like the first 10 minutes of the, I'm like, what the hell is this about? And then it became clear what it's going to be about. Then I had so many questions about the world. And every time I found out more about the world that poor Maxine lives in, it got more and more confusing. Hmm. Do you want to like set up for the listeners? Like what, like what is the, the, the pitch on this episode? I mean, it seems to be the pitch is there is some kind of post apocalypse setting where, um, Humans are in the minority and hunted by these dogs is what they call them. But they're little metal robots with four legs that have an array of weapons. Which, um, by the way, those tracking are capabilities. What's cool about these robots is like that's that's on the cutting edge of locomotion. Like there are actually laboratories yeah. making these robots right now and they move right. and look almost exactly like these little quadrupedal things do. Yeah. like this and, is... and that's the whole premise. Like that's that's it. But see, at first, the first half of the episode, until she got to the what was obviously the rich man's gated complex, mm-hmm. I thought this this was going to be a story of what happens with the one percent when they attain like all wealth and automation, and they don't need anybody mm-hmm. to, and like you've got all these like you, me, factory workers, doctors, lawyers, everybody that doesn't already have a billion dollars. Uh, if you it, it, uh, you need medicine for your child, well, we're going to guard the warehouse that the medicine's kept. For the rich people with these yeah. robotic dogs, you'll be killed like scum because that's kind of that's kind of how we treat poor people right now. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have a place, you don't have a place to live. You can't take care of yourself. You can't keep yourself on the streets. We'll round. We'll at best herd you up in the camps. At worst, we'll we'll run. We'll treat you like criminals and run you out of town or lock you up. Um, and there's a segment of our population that's happy with those types of people just dying. Um, so I thought it was going to be that, and then when they got to the rich man's house, and he's committed, like, may- maybe that's how it started, and it got away from him. Um, but he had committed, <laughs> you know, obviously suicide. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and then at the end, I guess, yeah, I, I, 
that I guess I'm still kind of confused about. I want to know more about the world and how it happened. Like I felt like this is Terminator yeah. Seven, and I didn't see Terminator One through Six. I didn't know what happened to Sarah Connor. I didn't know about D Day. I didn't know about all those things. Yeah, and I think that's why I'm. This was maybe my third least favorite. Oh, I really liked um, it of of this series, but I I it just didn't have anything to say. Like it was a horror movie about robots. Yeah, no, it was it was well made, um, and it was tense, but it didn't have anything to say, which is why I watched Black Mirror. Hmm. So, it, I mean, the only thing that it could have possibly had to say is humanity is fucked if this ever happens because of our weaknesses, which are emotions, <laughs> right? Because at the end, we see what she was actually out there trying to get right. for presumably this kid who is dying of some disease or something. Right. Um, it's not. She's dying. It's of, not medication. Dying of robots. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not medication. It's not like the the thing that's going to ease his or her pain in those right. last few days is a teddy bear. Right. A particular teddy bear of a type that they already owned and maybe it got lost because of the nomadic existence. Like right. There's a whole backstory behind they're looking for a particular serial model and they've tracked it down. And Yeah. But I, I thought the actual tech of the dogs was fascinating. Like, how, what a character it was. And like the, mo- mm. the, the yeah. little moments of triumph like where she pulled the, the tracking uh <laughs> fragment out of her leg and then put it in a water bottle and threw it in a river and then yeah. her idea of like trapping this I guess it's a solar powered dog into this cycle of like shutdown and it's got a treed. Right. And she throws things at it to every like she she has a countdown of when it like enters power down mode and she wakes it back up to make it go through its whole cycle so it's dead mm-hmm. and she can affect an escape. And like the way I mean, it's also awesome, like, the, you know, how much monumental Herculean effort she did when it put into killing this one thing. And then, uh, you know, at the end, there's just hundreds of them. Yeah, and I mean, even even when she kills it, it it sticks her with more of the trackers. Right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In a place where she can't remove it from. Yeah, like, when it picked up that fucking knife and started, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. It turned it into its appendage, yeah. This is horrifying. And, and when it, like, went at the wall... Um, yeah, before when, it goes at her leg. Yeah, because she's she she what she she covered its optical sensors with paint, and then yeah. she played music, so it's just wildly stabbing at speakers and things, and it's like you know methodically destroying every speaker in this car that's playing this music. Like it's it's yeah. fucking horrifying, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like it, it's been a while since I've been that afraid of a robot. Like maybe going back to T one thousand, because it had that kind of like it's going to never stop until it gets you. Yeah. Um. And how, like, because I, 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 I was kind of disappointed, honestly, to go to see it go post-apocalyptic because I thought the better hook would be, you know, like like if it was this was reported on the news as another desperate junkie trying to get its fix, you know, and like, you know, huh. like a law right. order was pres- – and you don't see this, like, desperate struggle and it's just, you know. Yeah, that would have been a more interesting twist to me than the teddy bear, honestly. Yeah, but – it is a like it's a tight forty seven minute slasher pick starring a robot mm-hmm. dog, and <laughs> yep. it was uh, it is pretty good for a bleak because it was like five degrees below zero the, at, at late at night when I saw this and it was it was just what I wanted. Hmm. Uh, now let's get to another I thought wildly successful episode: Black yeah. Museums, uh, writ- or uh, directed by Colm McCarthy. Um, and it stars Douglas Hodge, which I hadn't, I only seen playing, uh, I think this guy's name is Inspector Busk from, uh, Penny Dreadful. 
and Letitia Wright, who I don't think I've ever seen in anything before. Um, and this is the is this the closest I've felt to watching like a Tales from the Dark Side. This is this is this is Black Mirror. This is Black Mirror's version of Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, this was a really good one. This was like all the reasons I come to Black Mirror. Yeah. So it was it's like a it almost seemed like an anthology and I was wondering up until like the final minutes of the show what is it that's going to tie all of these things together. Mm-hmm. And they did it and it was it was pretty it was pretty amazing. Yeah, they did it through a lot of the the technologies that were used throughout the this series right um like you get the the brain scan stuff uh and interface stuff from uh uss callister Uh at the beginning and like the dna scanners you can see all of these like trophy pieces in the museum right um from previous episodes uh and i like that a lot and yeah i mean the the premise of it is uh you it starts off you think there is uh, a girl driving her solar powered cadillac through the desert um, just on her way somewhere, and she stumbles across this black museum, which is a cataloging of all of the uh, historical pieces of technology that have gone horribly wrong. It's like, yeah, the Black Mirror Museum. Right. Um, and, and so you think it's just her touring this museum, and it right. turns out there's this criminal there um, who <laughs> had been convinced to allow himself to to be recorded on, when he was electrocuted. Mm-hmm. In the electric chair before he was killed and have his consciousness move to some kind of uh some kind of pod for storage mm-hmm. um and it turns out that uh this girl who has stopped at the black museum is actually his daughter um and that this this criminal has had his copy of himself being tortured there for years and years by the the proprietor of the museum mm-hmm. just being electrocuted over and over again and being commoditized turn into trinkets for the visitors to buy each one of those also a fully formed version of his consciousness that's stuck in the moment of being electrocuted forever right and so she turns out is here to avenge her father and to set him free yeah and there's a lot of overlapping technologies that they slowly into because this guy the, the 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 hook is this 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 man who's the proprietor of the black museum was a like an R and D man at a pharmaceutical company that had pioneered yeah. like three different types of technologies. The first was uh, the ability to strap on a helmet and feel. No, it's an implant that the guy got that then they could strap on a helmet and they he could feel what was happening to a person's body. And he was a doctor, right. so like he could instantly feel exactly what his patient was feeling, and he cataloged like what an append- a burst appendix feels like mm-hmm. and what a heart attack a heart attack and, feels yeah. like and all these different things and he got like to be a pain junkie uh yeah. and i forget how that ended up uh he ended up inflicting pain on himself but he couldn't sustain that so he went and killed some bums and but then uh, like he got into like some kind of pain coma that was where we last left him. He just did horrific things to, and there's a lot of like truly horrifying things. Like this guy, man's a doctor, and he gets addicted to pain. And you know, the place he works at starts realizing how bad this is and how compromised he is because he's like letting patients hang on the the pain of death and yeah. getting high on it. 
Oh, knife. and then and then one of his patients died on the bed right. while he was hooked up to them, and that became the ultimate feeling for right. him. So he, he like, was chasing it. He gets furloughed, and he's sitting in his apartment, and he's a doctor, so he knows exactly what he can do to his own body mm-hmm. to extract maximum pain and suffering but not kill him. And it's it's some fucking gross shit. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, like you said, he, 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 kills a, he kills a bub in pretty horrific fashion. Uh, he does all this uh, this terrible shit. The second vignette is he talks about um, a man who's married to a woman and they have a daughter and she dies in childbirth, right? Um, she goes into a coma. In she goes into a coma. Yeah. And they have this technology where they cannot restore her life, but they can take her body, download it, and and and, and plant it inside another human. His his unused brain space. His unused brain space, which is <laughs> this is starting to be like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. like like it's one thing to do, you know, like this this border on pseudoscience, but whatever. Um, and the idea of like what it would be like to have a a hitchhiker in your consciousness mm-hmm. that you know. It's it's one thing to agree to be married to somebody, but now they're with you twenty four seven. You can't ever move on because your wife is now in your head, and you're gonna try to move on with another woman. And what is she gonna think about that? And and like 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 the horrifying implications of what that would be. So and then they take it even one more horrifying step farther, which is the guy eventually gets fed up with it, and they have a mechanism to transfer her to another brain. Um, this time an artificial one inside of a teddy bear. That has very limited ability to express itself. It can say, yeah. Teddy Teddy wants a hug and Teddy loves you. Right. And, like, what happens when the child gets bored of that toy? And yeah. just, like, what a, like, I mean, that's like fucking Metallica's one, essentially. Uh, Being, like, it's right. not as, it's not as grisly as a, as a, as a, uh, a, a, a a, a, a soldier that's lost his limbs and his eyes, and his, but it's still like that kind of like I have no mouth and I must scream kind of like what the fuck would you do as an intelligent person? And then the fact that you realize as he's telling the story that this woman is still alive and she's still in this teddy bear and she's in his glass fucking case like Annabelle right. from the Conjuring movies, like holy uh-huh. shit, that's terrible. Oh, and it doesn't even end there, right? Like the right. final reveal is pretty amazing, right? Um, where. So, so she takes all of these tech. So the 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 man's daughter takes all of these technologies, mm-hmm. and she's drugged this guy, which is something they also do really smart. That they, uh, she's she's surreptitiously surreptitiously uh, hacked his building to disable the air conditioner, so mm-hmm. it's hot. Yep. And he bums a drink of her water, which she's poisoned, mm-hmm. and he gets paralyzed. And then she essentially uses a combination of all these technologies to load his consciousness into the simulated consciousness of her father yep. and then electrocute him. Cause there's the thing is like, I guess you can only electrocute this simulation for up to 15 seconds before it loses its neural cohesion. Yeah. So she executes this guy inside her father's consciousness at full blast 15 seconds and then saves that his eternal torment on her keychain. Mm-hmm. And then it reveals that her mom right. who committed suicide a while back, uh-huh, is is hitchhiking in her consciousness. Yeah. Which then starts you start thinking was this was this a happy ending as far as revenge fantasy goes or not cuz what is that going to be like? Oh, yeah. Like it's I all mean, fun and games and you're riding shotgun to your daughter pursuing her course of vengeance, but now uh, now what? Yeah, no, now you're you're that couple who who uh their mother was in a coma. Right. And transferred in, and you get tired of living with somebody else sure. in your head. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, so it's not all it's not all candy and and gumdrops in the end like eternal executions yeah yeah. there's some there's some darkness on the margins of but this shit was incredibly dark almost like an over-the-top like goofy way at points yeah and how much they like went for broke on showing this doctor disfiguring himself and the torment this man was facing through being uh you know and also like the weird relationship the original mom had with the stepmom where like there's a scene where the like the new stepmom grabs the teddy bear and pins it to the wall and's like, listen, bitch, right? You're gonna do this is the way it's gonna be, and if not, and, like it's like teddy bear can't feel anything. It's it's a like... it's yeah it's black it's it's black comedy sure and for the black um but the also the fact that you just never know in Black Mirror whether things are gonna be bad, that things are gonna be good, or they're gonna be in between, how yeah. fucked up it's gonna get. Like I always find watching a Black Mirror to be particularly tense. Because all the cinematic conventions I usually cling to, like, well, the good guys are going to win. Everything's going to yeah. be okay. Like, no, no. And it's not – they don't even do it the opposite. Like, like they, they mix it up to where you really you really never know. That's the thing I think this season taught me is to not expect a certain thing going into Black Mirror episodes. And that's tough because, because – I did previously. Because when are you in the mood to watch Black Mirror? Uh, usually when I'm looking for something dark and dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> but but then you might get an uplifting thing. I know. That's like that's yeah. the thing. It's like it's like my least favorite types of chocolate are the fucking uh, sampler packs. Oh yeah, the chocolate boxes with all the different kinds. Because I'm gonna bite some. I'm gonna be, be, bite into something that looks delicious and chocolatey, and it's gonna taste like ass. This is worse because usually they give you the key on the on the lid, right? right. To where you can say, okay, well this is no, chocolate this, and caramel. This is just a crap. This shoot. might be comedy. It might yeah. be incredibly dark. It might be depra- depressing and make you want to cry. It might make you angry, very angry in a visceral way that lasts for you for days and like. Yeah, that's my problem with it. Is like, if they're gonna keep dropping this like the week after Christmas, I'm gonna have to start saying I'm gonna get to this around Valentine's Day because uh-huh. that's what it, that's that's when I just don't like you know like middle of February like the tail end of winter. I'm not giving a fuck. Uh, I give too many fucks during the the month of December to to ha- to be bummed <laughs> out by the oppressive dogs and yeah. and mothers hijacking people's brains and eternal torments of the spotless mind. Like I, that's that's my one criticism. Like I'm I'm never like in the mood for Black Mirror because I don't know what Black Mirror is going to. Well, there give, is no mood for me. Black Mirror, right? It's it's so many different moods, right? Um, and you never know what you're going to get, like you said. So I. I need Yeah, I think the show has a problem in that regard, but not one that will keep me from watching it. Each episode needs an emoji. Yeah. It needs like a smiley yeah. face, an angry face, a sad face, a hmm, you know, like like, you know, it needs it, they need at least an emoji so you know what you're going in. Yeah. I need I need the I need the sampler pack key. I need to know whether this is going to be a raspberry tart or it's got c- coconut in it or, you know, like what is what is like the, what is the the creamy thing I'm going to be biting into? Maybe Bald Move can provide that for people. Yeah. Maybe we can watch it and we can assign smiley faces. You know what? Or... That would be a good idea for going forward is like uh, our first five minutes of a Black Mirror podcast is here's the six episodes. Number mm-hmm. one's funny. Number two is a thinker. Number three is horror is horrific. Yep. Yeah. I think, yeah, that might that might be good. If we remember, we'll cover season <laughs> five like that. <laughs> uh, but I, I really did enjoy this final episode. I thought it was great. Um, and it combined all of the. There's also a lot of te- There's also a lot of tension because it's called the Black Museum. Yeah, and there's an there. It stars a, a a black woman that comes up to this 
disheveled establishment in the middle of the American desert run by this cagey white dude. And I'm like, oh, and she has an English accent. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dear God, don't tell me this is some dystopian American and they're going to literally lure her into a black museum where she's going to be an exhibit. I was I was worried about that. I thought it was going to go like total dystopian racial kind of like like and you know that I guess that would have been an interesting thing to explore, too. But it could have been sure. This was uh it was it was more challenging bleak. than I wanted at that moment. Right. And I'm glad it went the direction it went. <laughs> right. I'm glad her father just was a, a wrongfully uh imprisoned man who has had to nothing die to do with his skin color. Right. Well, and that's the other thing that was kind of funny is like did you notice that that story was the was like on in the background news, like that that horrific murder that he got accused of was was a news segment that the doctor was watching? Huh. And then there was something else about. No, I didn't. Yeah, there was something else about like in in the backgrounds that they they had all these this 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 world that was tightly wound together. And that's yeah. another thing that like um, uh, that Cecily kept pointing out is like there the the song that was like the trigger song in Crocodile yep. was the same one that uh, Sybil from Down Abbey sang in and that that show. Oh. Uh, in season one, and that show that she was the reality show was a reality huh. show that was on in the background of one of the TV. They like Black Mirror does a lot of self referential <laughs> shit, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know how you reconcile all those different worlds together. I don't think you can. But it's probably just a funny it's Easter kinda, eggs. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's just Easter egg stuff, and it's it's easier to do that than clear original, you know, new new sure. IP. Yeah. Like instead of getting American Idol and try to cut Simon Kalachek, just just make make essentially dystopian American Idol. Yep. Uh, yeah, but another. I, I guess I was reading David Chin's take on this because he came back. He came out of retirement to write a blog entry um, where he he was rating the things. And one one thing he said, he goes, "I'm I'm actually sort of amazed that four seasons into this experiment, that Black Mirror retains the idea to tell as many big, original, thought provoking ideas as they do because it's really easy to make six episodes." It's it's it starts getting hard at twelve eighteen. You're at when you're when you're at twenty four hours of thought provoking crazy shit that happens as a result of just the intersection of te- it's not it's not the twilight zone where you could go supernatural, you could go sci fi, you could go religious. You you right. really have this one lane that you got to stay in. And I I agree with him. I'm I'm amazed that. Uh, Charlie Brooker is able to keep this thing as fresh and and as awesome as it is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next season and going back to season three because I haven't seen that yet. Uh, so yeah, that's that's our ball. That's our our, our, our Black Mirror coverage for 2017. Uh, wha- I don't know when we'll be back. I know we've got a bunch of things planned. We have uh, an idea for like a roundup episode for some things we missed in 2017. We want to talk about. I know we want to get back to Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um. There are like a couple of those things that are kind of lurking in the in the near future, so we'll look out for them. And also, uh, the Baldies uh, Award Show, our our fourth annual, mm-hmm. fourth annual, longest running internet podcasting award show by two middle aged dudes from the Midwest. <laughs> Entering its fourth year, it'll be out uh, next week. And if you if you don't know what the Baldies is, it's our it's a award show where we crown like best drama and comedy and actor and and all this other stuff, and we have fun with it. And and it's like an hour show, but we also release like unlike other less accountable award shows, we release twelve hours of content of us 
deliberating. So you know that it was in no way scientific. It's no, but it, but but we at least where we clearly show our biases and we show why we valued one thing over the other. And you can you can go into as exhaustive a detail as you want. Uh, and there'll be a lot of content coming out next week. Um, until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.